Blog Talk Radio. Was the 
to today's episode of the Angry Divas Radio Show. I'm your host, Triple Dark Goddess, also known as Diva Fire. Going to play one more song, then we're going to start the show. I hope y'all are ready for today's topic, baby. It's a heavy hitter. I know a lot of people going to be mad at me. And y'all got to know, I'm not going to give one fuck nor two. So anyway, let's go on ahead and play this next song, and then we'll get started with the show. Actually, you know what? Before I play a song, what I'll do is this. Now, I have a sister who went to the restaurant in question. Look at that, honey. We have somebody who's been to the doggone restaurant. So what I'll do, because she wasn't able to be here with us today, right? So what I'll do is the next thing you'll hear is what she has to say about the restaurant, and we can talk from there. Hello, Miss Diva. This is Kahara Summer, and I am going to go ahead and answer these questions that you sent me as far as what is going on with True Kitchen. It's when I woke up this morning after I put the picture up last night. I was 
I wasn't sure what was going on, but after I did a couple of research, I saw the video of what he's saying, and from my own personal experience of being there myself, I feel like what kind of conspired here, or what even took place, is something that is prevalent, um, especially when we start to think about going into spaces that are um, supposed to be um, for black people and trying to elevate and give us a more prestigious place to go and have um, a more upscale place to go so that we can have, so that we can expand our horizons in our community. So, um, when I went to the restaurant myself, um, the first thing that you see is, you know, different components. Now, I did get a late reservation. I, we were supposed to be upstairs, but we were downstairs because um, we did get a late um, reservation. And if we would have came a little bit earlier, then our reservations would have had us upstairs. But, nevertheless, uh, we had um, a table downstairs. And we had a table in front of where people usually go and take a little pictures and things of that nature. So, we were over there in, like, a little side. It was me and my sister that went to the restaurant. Now, the ambiance there, the, the whole, in, you know, interior of the place is very, you know, lovely, very upscale. You can, you can tell that he took his time to, you know, make it look um, very upscale and elegant for black people to come and, you know, have a place to go. So, I really do appreciate that. Although, um, when we did come into the place, um, when we did come into the place, um, I was, I wasn't, I, for me, I didn't expect it to, you know, be that way, but, um, that's just me kind of having more of a limited view, and that's something that I, um, needed to, um, this is the reason why I wanted to go to the kitchen, because I wanted to experience black excellence, um, so the atmosphere in the place was very mellow, it was very, you know, upscale, you could tell there was, you know, very black excellence, like we're trying to, we're trying to create a very um, upscale black place, and I really did appreciate that. Um, I'm always recommending True Kitchens, we just went Sunday, so <laughs> um, I will recommend it to anybody who um, wants to go, and things of nature, because it's a really, really good place. Um, I'm sorry, not this this Sunday. We went last Sunday, sorry. Um, it's a really, really good place to go um, for you to have that experience, especially when you want to go to a place that's black-owned and have black excellence. So I, I'm always recommending it, um, and I'm always recommending the lamb um, because it's, the lamb was really good. I've never had lamb in my life, and they made it so good that I was just like, whew. Um, and I loved everything on my plate. I finished everything, um, and it was delicious. Yes, I will go back. We actually just made reservations to go back in December, <laughs> at the end of December, after Christmas. So, I'm excited to go back there. Um, I'll be trying um, something else on the menu, not lamb. But I probably do get lamb because that lamb was, like, really, really good. Miss um, Diva. It was so good. Um, so, the twerking. So, I've I've heard people kind of say that um, he plays the music in the place. But, again, this is just for us to get kind of a black excellence, like bringing black culture into an upscale thing. So, I feel like once he figure out the components of doing that, um, where it, where you know that it's an upscale place and, and, and you know it, I feel like I feel like you have to know it. And I think a lot of people feel like, oh, it's like, oh, he playing some music, hey. But it's like, no, this isn't the establishment. And even when I first went into the place, I was like, we, I knew this wasn't the establishment that you go into a place. It's not a club. It is a place. It looks upscale. It looks very, 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 very much like an upscale restaurant. Like, oh, why was she going there to do that? So, um, 
twerking? No. I seen a video of the girls twerking on the mirror. Um, well, on the wall, on the mirror, something like that. And I was like, why would you feel that you need to go and twerk on that mirror? Although I understand. Um, I think Juvie was in the was in the restaurant, so maybe she was trying to get the you know the the um attention of little juvie or something i'm not sure but that is not the place where you go and shake your boom boom at it's not the club it is a establishment where black people go but it is not a place where you go and shake your ass i'm sorry it's just not um and the atmosphere and the decorum does not incite that it doesn't it doesn't give you any inclination that you need to be going there and shaking your ass it just doesn't it gives you very very much this is a this is a, a place where black excellence um it is a place of black excellence where you come in and you have a very um ex you have a experience of of kind of like kind of semi luxury it's not you know luxury i've been to very luxury places but it's very like semi luxury and I, and I see where he's going with his restaurant and i feel like once he gets a handle on a lot of the things he'll be able to put his restaurant in that category um do you think black women would try this at um no, they would not try. They would not try this at those type of restaurants because those restaurants, um, they they know when you come in, that's not the decorum of that type of place. Like I said earlier in this, I was like, once he has established it, which he has, he's established it. This ain't that place, and so that's why I, I wasn't upset with him establishing it. Like, no, this isn't that type of place. We're not doing that here. So he's establishing his boundaries on his restaurant and what he wants to happen at this restaurant. And I am I am literally giving him the class for it because this is his restaurant. This is his livelihood. This is something that he's trying to create for the community. And, and people are he's not going to let anybody come in and ruin what he is trying to create. And I'm all about that. I'm all about that, that divine masculine energy coming in and saying, hey, this is something I created. And you're not about to destroy it. I am all about it. Um, do you feel this happened because it's a black owned and we don't respect or honor one another? I feel like when it comes to black owned businesses, people kind of feel like that tribe mentality, like, oh, that's my, that's my brother. Or people feel very inclined to be kind of like, like familiar, but we're not familiar. You know, it's black owned. Yes, but we're not familiar in, um, what's mine is yours. And you can come in here and do what you like. So, a lot of black people are very, um, you know, they like to, oh, that's, what's up, sis, what up, bro, you know, that language. But it, it goes to the point where, nah, you know, this is my, this is mine, and you're not going to come into my establishment acting like that, you know. So, it, 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 it creates that banning of just like, hold on, like, you know, some people felt very, like, you know, um, disrespected, even though they weren't in that restaurant. Because, again, black people do have that more familiar spirit with one another. Like, oh, you know, that's my brother. Don't even know this person. But they kind of have it, that solidarity because that's a black person. When And then when that black person is like, no, nah, I don't know you. And this is my stuff. And I'm going to need you to understand that. Then people do become offended. So I can understand the the outrage behind it, but people gotta understand like we we not we not we not that's that's not what it is going on. This is my establishment, and I congratulate him on on putting up that boundary of telling them no. This is my establishment, and this is not what we're gonna be doing here. So I'm really happy that you're bringing this up. This is a good topic as I am a person that's creating my own um business, 
and I do want to learn from other people who have established a more successful business. So this is a really good learning point for myself um, as a um, entrepreneur and a business owner to understand like the dynamics that I will probably be um, in once I launch what it is I'm launching and to learn. So thank you, Ms. Diva. I hope this helps, and I hope this is a good um, a good audio that you can use. And thank you, bye, Ms. Diva. All right. Well, we've all heard what Sis had to say. We have all sat here and heard what Sis has to say. Um, I'm going to set a couple of guidelines. You guys, I'll open all the lines eventually. I just ask that you ladies be respectful. Let's try not to all speak at once, for the love of God. And (laughs) even if we disagree with each other, Let's try to show some sense of respect, okay? So I'm going to start out with Sister Kristen. Kristen, I'm going to open your mic first. And first and foremost, welcome to the Angry Diva Radio Show. That's right, baby. Yeah, baby. Thank you. Anyways, I'm so glad you could call in because you were somebody who made a post about it while I was getting my ideas and my thoughts together about the show. And um, Mm -hmm. I wanted to make sure that I brought you in so that you could share your perspective. So first things first, is there anything you wanted to say in response to the Sisters Review who just went to the the True Kitchen and Cocktails place on Sunday? Um, Not really. I, I agree with her that black people have this thing where we get into this kind of sense of familiarity, even though Mm -hmm. we don't know that person. And so we walk mm-hmm. around all day telling people, we're not a monolith, we're not a monolith. Well, don't behave with each other like we're a monolith either. So, you know, well, we need to there address, you go. address that part. I think that in the larger context, and this is going to sound terrible in 2020 because of, you know, social justice workers, but I was telling a friend the other day, the conversation that we never want to have is that certain types of people do certain types of things, point blank. Uh huh. And so when you are a business owner, you, you know, you kind of have to be prepared for the fact that one day someone's going to come in here that doesn't know how to act. I don't know the lady who was twerking, but she is the type of person who does that type of thing, point blank. I yep. would not be surprised point if blank. she's the type of person that you can't take her anywhere. I probably, if I had to guess, She's probably the type of person where you can't take her to the symphony, you can't take her to church, you can't take her to... Damn, I was going to say you can't take her even to church. Can't take her to Jesus. I was just going to say that. Sorry, keep going. They're just people Talking who Jesus. do not know about church. <laughs> it's true. I'm sorry, let me mute myself. <laughs> it's true. There are people who just do not know how to behave. And so... I kind of looked at this kind of multifaceted. For one, I've never wanted to hear rap music during brunch. Let me just say that. It gives me a headache, and when I'm eating brunch, I don't want to hear rap music. So he should probably look into not playing rap music during brunch because I don't want to hear it. At the same time. Agreed. At the same time, you have to have a level of decorum and uh, a friend and I were discussing, you know how in high schools they have these classes, you know, sex ed and stuff like that. 
I think that, that we need to, as a community, start to have classes for young black women that teaches them how to make certain decisions and that teaches them how to, because it's one thing to sit up in a sex ed class and say, make sure you have a condom, but we need to teach young black women how to make decisions, how to go places, how to sit, how to dress. I get so tired of seeing body con dresses every single where I go. I've, I've interviewed people for jobs. People, women show up in club dresses to interview for a job. Like we need to start teaching our community, people in our community. How wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Offer- okay. Wait, wait. Pause. Mm-hmm. Flag on the mother effing play. Did you just say to me that people are showing up to job interviews and club gear? Yes, because because for some reason they okay. think that a dress, any, any old dress will do. It's like there's this generation now where people just don't have any skills anymore. <laughs> like who is teaching well, look, people? Okay. I, here's the thing. Here's the thing. And, and people are going to get upset with me for this, so – But I don't care. And what I'm going to do now is kind of just open up everybody's line while I'm saying this here. Raina, I'm bringing you in. I think this is Ty. I'm bringing you in. Um, Pearl, you're in. Devin's in. Everybody's in. Okay, so here's the thing. All right. As much as I – you guys are very well aware of this. I do not hide it. There was a lot of weird stuff with me and my own mother. But my black mother taught me – how to set a table. My black mother took me to the symphony, to the ballet. Every year we would go to the Boston Wang Center, which is now I think the City Wang or whatever, but we would go every year and see Alvin Ailey. We'd go to to Don Quixote. I mean, every sort of ballet you could think of, we were there. My black mother taught me the difference between play clothes, work clothes, church clothes. Mm Mm-hmm. All right? So we're going to start right there that it's, we can't, uh, yes, maybe the schools should be teaching this, and, or maybe somebody like myself or another woman with a platform can teach this kind of thing. But let's just start at brass tack facts. 75% of all black children are bastard-born, fatherless children raised by single mothers. So if black daughters don't know how to comport themselves, it's the black mama's fault. And we're going to sit here and we're going to hold her responsible and accountable for her failure as a woman and her failure as a mother to raise daughters to be healthy, functional, classy, ladylike, non-ghetto, ratchet, and wannabe Meg the Stallion type bitches. We're going to hold her responsible because we all know the old adage, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. So I don't disagree with you, sister. Somebody, we've got some feedback, so whoever's in the background doing shit, washing dishes, stop. First things first, on my show, I don't like feedback, and I don't like little extra noises and stuff. It's something, like, something about that just drives me absolutely batshit crazy, and I can't handle it. This is why I don't have no damn children, because there's a little excess noise crap. It's not for me. We're live on the air. This is being recorded. Everybody can hear it. If you know you're doing something in the background, mute yourself. That's all. Thank you. Don't make me say it again. Now, when it comes to this whole thing about teaching young black girls how to be, how to act, you know, um, like I said, it's the mother's. It's also the kind of activities that black daughters are involved in. I grew up as a Girl Scout. I graduated high school as a Girl Scout. 
I was a Girl Scout from brownies all the way up to, hell, 12th year of, of schooling. And for me, was our troop leader. We had a black woman who was a Ph.D. educated woman who was our mentor. So even what my mama couldn't give me, I had other black women both in my church and in my social area that could impart knowledge to me and information to me that I would not get otherwise. So, you know, there's something going on, and we just got to be honest with, you know, in the last, well, I'm going to say the last 10, maybe 15 years, as it pertains to black women and the way that they choose to mother their children or the lack thereof of mothering of their children. So, um, you know, the floor is open. I want everybody to feel free to speak on that. Let's not forget the pieces that the sister said and take your time. Who's next? Who would like to say something next? Pearl, would you like to say um, something? Oh, Devin. Go ahead, Devin. I can hear you. Oh, okay. So, um, good morning, first of all. Um, I totally agree with what uh, the sister was saying pre uh, previously, and I don't know when we got away from it as far as doing these classes. Um, I, I, I want to say the proper term for it is etiquette, etiquette, etiquette. Um, but etiquette, yeah. those classes, proper etiquette. Yeah, um, just teaching us how to do those things. Because I never had it when I was growing up, but I've seen it happen. And I just, I just don't know when we got, a, when we got away from that. And as far as that girl twerking, I did not see the video, but I saw like the post on my feed and everything. But um, I totally agree with the restaurant owner. It's like. I'm trying to build something here, and I there's a time and a place for everything, but that twerking was just that was not the, the time and place for that. And so, oh, sis, you didn't see the video. I did. No, let me I, let me describe I, to y'all about the video. And I can't. I'm on. I'm banned on Facebook, so I can't, I can't post it. <laughs> but um, basically, three different tables, all filled with black women, well over the age of twenty had women who got up and was twerking. And one of, so what they did, they took the security videos from inside of the restaurant to show and prove why the restaurateur said what he said. Because everyone's coming down on him, and the only reason anyone has anything to say is because he's a black man asserting his authority. And we need to be perfectly honest. In our community, we chew up true black patriarchs and spit them out. Now, we'll sit up and dog Pookie and Ray Ray all the live long day and talk about how these niggas ain't shit. But when a black man goes out there and builds Wakanda, who is there to tear it down? Black women. The first person showing up at the scene of the crime every time it's a black woman tearing it down. So anyway, there were three different tables, three different women who did this, and he said something to each of these women more than once. Now, one of the video clips, was, uh, I think it was four total, but the fourth one was him and his speech. One of the video clips was a lady in black, and the lady got up. I kid you not. It looked to me, now I was born and raised in the church, okay? It looked to me like how it looks in church when a sister get up and get ready to shout. Like the spirit of ratchet sluttery just possessed this woman, and she couldn't help but get up and shake the fat on her body around. And let's be honest about what twerking is. It is nothing more than the jiggling and the gyrating of your fat. It's so easy, even Pancake Becky could do it. Ooh. 
And we all know Becky got two damn left feet. So there's literally no skill required. It's just gyrating and shaking your fat on your body around. I'm trying to understand why we're even defending this. Why anyone, for any reason, is trying to say that the restaurateur was wrong, that he was out of order, that he could have said things better, he should have said it nicer. I mean, how many times are you supposed to tell grown black women, please stop acting like ratchet trash horse in my establishment? How many times? We're going to call a thing a thing. We're going to call a spade a spade. I'm not going to hold my tongue. Um, I'm not going to pull punches, and I'm not going to say it nicely for the critics. I don't care. Y'all know I don't give a fuck. I don't. So the sisters got up. One, one was standing up on a chair. Another was standing up on a couch. Another was leaning, and she was not no small chick, up against the glass window. Anything could have happened. Anything at all, she could have slipped and fell and broke that glass and caused harm to herself and other patrons. The girl on the chair could have slipped and fell on someone else. The other girl on the other chair, the chair could have slipped out from under her. She fell on the table and caused injuries or damages or breakages. Restaurant business is not cheap. It is a very, very, very costly and expensive business. This brother has invested upwards of seven figures into the establishment of a so-called black-oriented upscale restaurant. But what he's not understanding, and and I, I hate to say this, but I'm going to say this, and I say this as a black business owner, entrepreneur, and employer. If you want something to be high class and upscale, if you really want to be a success, you're going to have to keep black people out of it. The image of the black woman, especially the black American woman in particular, is so low. It's, we can't even say it. it's in the gutter. It's in hell. It's in hell. The image, the value, the worth of the black American woman is so far in the damn gutter, it's in hell. And we're going to be honest about the fact that the image of us as black American women is so degraded that to even have, I'll give you a great example. A sister I know, she's in an interracial marriage, very nice sister, you know. She had a ring she wanted to sell, gold and diamond. She put it on her finger. She took a picture. She put it up there. She got a lot of views. She didn't get any sales. She was wondering if maybe it was because it was on her black hand, so she wouldn't put on a white glove, you know, like Minnie Mouse and them. Wouldn't put a little white glove on her hand and took the picture and put it back up. Now here come all the inquiries. How much? When was it made? What's the size? You know, asking questions that people would normally ask is already in the description. But they're going to do it anyway, you know. And then she got a buyer all in the same day. There is something to be said for the fact that the black woman's image is so devalued that it's in hell. And we can sit and point the fingers, yeah, okay, for 40 years, rap, culture, da 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 blah, 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 blah. But it doesn't mean we have to play along with it. We have black women who have always played along with the degradation of our image. You can't be degraded this way to this level without partaking in it. We have not come out and said in a public way, and we have never done this, We have come out against this kind of stuff. We've never done it. 
So I want you sisters to go ahead and keep weighing in. Um, I think who was getting ready to speak next after Devin? I think it might have been um, Pearl. I have another caller. Let me bring them in. Caller 615, you're on the air with Angry Divas Radio Show. Welcome to the show. What's your name? And what do you have on the topic? Uh, good, good morning. My name is Pastor Don Jr., CEO, and I'm just blown away. Um, at first, I was apprehensive about calling the show, but sometimes you have to be a fly on the wall, and I'm just amazed at what the world has flipped. Um, this virus has changed the whole way we look at people, but when I listen to the things you say, before the virus happened, you know, the sisters always broke the brothers down. And at the end of the day, the sister's the first one to put something in the collection plate and actually believe in the mission. And it, it's hard to get brothers going if their minds are not in their focus, you know. Not all brothers are bad, but some brothers are made to be bad. Good can't exist without evil. It's a constant cycle. It's a three-dimensional world. It's the reality of what happens. It's the spirit world that we pray to, and then it's the universal world that even when we use the power of our tongue to make things and conjure stuff up that wasn't there before. You know, when you look at a vacant lot, it's vacant until somebody say, oh, we could put a McDonald's or a mall or Taco Bell or school, whatever the case may be. But um, what I'm hearing here is a lot of power and good anointing you know it's good to hear the other side of the coin because um not all sisters are bad you know i don't believe all women are um b's and h's and all that but at the end of the day there are some women out there that's that's the way they roll you know um they got madams and they got pimps you know they both work the same way and we can't uh look at it other than every relationship is fifty one forty nine. One person is gonna be the aggressor doing the right thing, giving the stuff, one person is gonna be on the other end receiving. And depending on how well the communication you have, then you can actually get in there and make something happen. But until people can sit down and have healthy topics like this and not talk over each other but be real professional and respectable about it. Right. Nothing's gonna happen. And and that's my uh, personal opinion. I'm Pastor Dodger, you CEO. Not Thank you. I'm stepping out the way. Thank you. I'll put you back where you could just listen. I did not know that that was a brother. Um, Usually only women call into the show, and and it's seldom that I allow men to speak on the show because I don't want want to deal with the foolishness of the arguing, but this brother seems like he's got his head on straight, so thank you for, you know, what you contributed. Much appreciated. Um, I have another mic I want to open up really quick. Call a 917. Here we go. 917, you're on with the Angry Divas Radio Show. What's your name and where are you calling from? What do you have on the topic? 917. Diva, this is Ty. All right. Oh, oh, it's Ty. Okay, hold on a second. Hey, Ty. Can you hear me? Something's going on with this mic, with the soundboard here. Sorry about that. It's, All right, it's a for you're me. in. Yep, it's you. Okay. Hi. <laughs> okay. Hello. So I have a few moments before I can jump on, have to jump on a meeting for work, but one of the things that I wanted to mention is that um, at some point, um, just being appropriate in spaces, appropriate behavior became respectability politics. They they say that it's respectability and you can act how you want because white people are going to hate you anyway. And it is like, you know, some things are just not even about that. It's about being appropriate for the space. And I also think that sometimes certain behavior, it gets coded as black 
when it's really about class. Um, wait, I think wait, wait, a wait. Mix up a wait, 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 wait. There's something, there's something in what you just said right there that I think is so key. It gets classed as black or ghetto when really it's just low class. Mm-hmm. But here's what we need yeah. to own it, as it, a it race. Like black behavior. When, yeah. when you allow the loudest voices and the most visible people on both the male and the female side of the spectrum to be the most trashiest, uneducated buffoons in the racial cohort, that's what's going mm-hmm. to happen. So the black man's image is in the gutter, it's in hell, and the black woman's image is in the gutter, it's in hell. Because black men, through rap culture, and they created this, somebody else took it over and did what they did with it, but our men created a culture where being a thug, sagging your pants, not raising your children, not marrying the women you impregnate is the thing, the end thing to do, and everybody else is a simp. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. And black women, conversely, the acts and the artists, see, because our people like drama, the acts and the artists that get all the shine are your Cardi B's, your Meg Thee Stallion types. Nobody's up here, like, chasing after Ledesti that way. We have, to, we have to be honest with ourselves about the proliferation of black low class as becoming the definition and the sole image of what it means to be black. So it, it is a code word. It is. But it's a code word because we have allowed this to be seen as our culture, as a people. When you go to a mall and you see no bonnets, no shower curtains, shower caps rather, you know what that's a code for? No black women. Mm-hmm. We recently had this whole respectability policies conversation just last year about black women going up to the school to pick up or drop off their children in pajamas and hair bonnets and do rags or whatever. And when someone said something about it and set the rule and the standard to try and teach these low-class broads how to behave, what was the blowback from the whole community? Oh, that's racist. Oh, they just trying to put black mothers down. What if she was busy? All kinds of excuses, all right? So we're going to have to be honest here. We're going to have to be real honest here with ourselves about the codes that we live by becoming the codes that we are identified as and identified with. If you live by the gun, you die by the gun. If you live by the ghetto, you die by the ghetto. And, and we need to really begin to understand that people will see you according to what you portray. If I go out of my house, and, and this isn't to say that all the time are you treated according to how you're dressed. I had a, a skirt on that dragged the ground that I had to pick up when I was walking. I had my head wrapped, and there was a lady with a tube dress that was rolling down one way and rolling up the next. This black man was standing there. I was at the bus stop. This was so many years ago. I'll tell you how long it was. I was still getting on the bus. But I was going to see my spiritual mother. So, of course, going to see a holy lady, I'm dressed properly, right? And so this black man was standing there. He looked right at that trashy broad, walked away from her, walked up to me, and said the following. Now, what are you hiding under all them skirts? So I'm not trying to say that all the time the way that you dress and the way that you present yourself alone will protect you from the nefarious stupidity of others. (laughs) But 
when all you, when the, the primary representation of the man or the woman of our race is this degradation, what do we expect to be expected of us? Do they expect black men in a suit and tie? No. They expect sag pants and a T-shirt that's five times too big for his body. You just heard Sister Christensen up here and say she had to tell black women who came for a job interview that club dresses was inappropriate. There's something going on in the community. And, you know, not to say that every race doesn't have its quote-unquote trash. They got white trash, too. But have you ever seen white trash, the representation for whiteness? Do white athletes get up and become the representation in politics for white people? No, the hell they don't. The court jester and the white, the Indian, the Asian, the Arab community stays the court jester. The performers are the court jesters. But in the black community, the court jester got himself acting like he's the king. I can't understand that. Or the queen. And I can't abide by that. And it's not just that, you know, we talk against it and then something changes, but just to even have these conversations and open up this kind of dialogue is really going to be what it takes to start getting people thinking differently. So whoever's the next sister to speak, go ahead on. Unless, sis, you had something else you wanted to say, Ty, before you had to go on your, your little call there. <laughs> no problem. I'm all set. Thank you so much for having me on. All right. Thank you so much for calling in. I appreciate what you said. I want to go back to something. Real quick, I want to go back to something that Sister Kristen said um, when she was piggybacking off of the the audio that I played, talking about familiarity. And, you know, I go through this as a black-owned business uh, owner myself, black business owner myself, um, with black women. I go through this all the time with black women, where, you know, there's this overly familiar sense. Um, Because I work as a coach and a healer, I've got women who come to me and project their mommy issues and they want me to treat them like the mommy that they never had or in a way that their mommy never treated them. And so when I don't come away from who I am and who I've always been and how I've always done things to cater to her little whatever, it, bec- it creates a problem. Um, you know, we get into each other's business or into each other's establishment and start thinking we should have rules catered just to us and our little special proclivities and particularities. And a lot of this just comes from poor upbringing. A lot of, I, I am, let me see, there was an experience I had ew, at least over 10 years ago where a friend of mine came to my house and she had her children with her. And her children start just going through rooms and opening doors. And I said, excuse me, get out of that room. Go have a seat where the children are. And my friend didn't like it. And I said, I'm sorry, I was raised properly. When you go to people's house, you sit the hell down. You don't touch nothing. You need to teach your children. So they're just kids. I'm like, they're just kids, and they just do what they're told. When we went to people's homes as young little black girls, we sat the hell down. We didn't go through people's drawers. We didn't go through people's cabinets. We didn't open up people's rooms. Wherever we were brought to, we sat down. We didn't touch anything. When we walked out in public, we walked single file because it was four of us. And everything everybody would ever say about my mother is, your daughters are so well-behaved and well-mannered. They used to drive her crazy. What do you mean? Of course they are. They should be. That's the way I'm raising them to be. But it took me forever to realize that it's because other little black girls were not well-behaved 
that we got praised for being well comported as young black ladies. And my mom made sure that she told us, I am raising ladies. I'm not raising ghetto bitches. So you will behave as a lady. And my father backed that up. So, you know, as I said, things weren't perfect, but these were the lessons that I got. We do have this over-familiar sense with each other where there's a lot in that, there's a, the ability for a lot of disrespect. And that's all I wanted to say about that. Pearl, I wanted to bring you in to speak next um, and share your thoughts about this. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, Pearl. Pearl Kitty in the house. Hi. Hello. <laughs> um, you know. Me, <laughs> I had to sit because I didn't. I I was watching like social media and hearing the memes and everything, but I I didn't see. So when I went to go see the actual videos and like what these girls are doing, I'm like, oh my god, this shit is. I'm in LA right now, and I've tried to do the brunches. I've tried to do the you know the upscale dinners. It is always a fucking. It, it's always a hit or miss because. It's always going to be those women acting like that. There's always going to be some bitch up fucking twerking and fucking up the whole night, you know? And you kind of witness, I mean, I, I don't want to pit anybody against one another, but you see how the men show up, right? The men show up and they're dressed, you know, properly, you know? But it, it, it seems like the women don't really get the memo. You know, um, and it's sad, you know. I, I just recently had my first experience where I was able to, like, actually have a good time out, you know, um, for an event that was, um, you know, black-owned. And it was a really nice experience. But the whole night I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God, I hope nothing happens, you know. I hope we don't have to leave. I hope nothing weird happens. I hope nobody, you know, yep. starts fucking fighting. It, it, it's um, that didn't happen, you know, so I know that, you know, if I want to have those nights or even fucking try, try to network, you know, it won't be an issue dealing with um, Black in L.A. That's the name of the um, the event or the organization that creates the event. But um, just listening to everybody and what they had to say, it just, it, it took me back to all the experiences where, you know, we try to create things, but the people that come out, it, it's unpredictable. Even if you say or create a dress code, you know, you come in and you see, oh, the people running this, they're black like me, so I can act however I want to act, you know? Or, you know, it's not classy or upscale anymore. Oh, this is my people, you know? This is my people, so right. this should be okay. Why wouldn't it be okay? This is my people, you know? Do, do you feel like because it's a black-owned restaurant that black people feel like we could let our hair down. Like, I'm just trying to figure out what this is because they would oh, never. Oh, yeah. And I'm from Boston. I'm from Boston. They would never take their asses to the top of the hub and pull this. Never, ever, ever. You know what? So do you feel uh, like this? I know this is the familiarity thing. This is familiarity. But do you feel it like, is, it's okay, it's a black business. It's all black people. Basically, we all at the cookout. So it kind of gives, like, that sort of feel, and that's where this is coming from. You know what? It does, but I will say that it's also, a, like, a great level of disrespect. It is a great mm, I would level agree. of disrespect and just not giving a fuck. 
It just, it is what it is because you wouldn't go, like I said, I'm in L.A. You would not go to Le Jardin and act like that. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't go to Le Jardin and act like that. All the brunch places we have, you would not go and act like that. But now, since this man has created something where, you know, his people can be seen in a good light and they could have a, a good time without all that bullshit. Because, again, if you want to go and shake some ass, there's places for that. Right. Like, let's not get the it club. Right. The there's club, so y'all. Clubs. You go so and you see. shake your what ass at the club. But this goes to show, I forget who said it, but um, we don't know. We seem to just not know the time, the proper time of place. You're showing up to job interviews and club dresses, honey. Of course you're going to be shaking your ass at a brunch, you know? Mm. How could Ouch. how could we ever think, you know? And it's unfortunate, but you have to kind of start approaching shit like, um, approaching situations like that the same because if you, if you're not taught, um, if you're not taught, you know, at, at some point, nobody's going to like, if people are going to stop trying to help you, they're just going to be like, you know what, that's just how the fuck you are. At this point, like, I'm yeah. not going to teach a grown-ass woman that you need to invest in a fucking pencil skirt and a button-up to go to a fucking job interview. You should know this. <laughs> you should know that. What the hell? <laughs> Come you are now. absolutely right. Like, You're absolutely right on I that one. I don't have the patience for it because I've tried. I've been to those events where it's like that, and I'm like, oh, my God, like, are you serious right now? I paid all this fucking money to sit up and watch you do some shit like that. And at the end you know of the night, like, oh, you yeah, just... you know, well, we tried, to, we tried to have a good time. You know, I thank you guys for coming out, but, you know, I don't know if I'm going to do this again. At some point we have to recognize that, you're playing with people's fucking money and their image. Mm-hmm. So what that man Since did, you just sparked a thought. I don't see wait, how wait, anybody wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Okay. You just, yeah. you just sparked a thought from me. You just sparked a thought from me. You okay. were talking about the pencil skirt and everything. And you were talking yeah. about values not being taught. Something my favorite auntie, this, I call her my crazy auntie Jay. Y'all know her as crazy auntie Jay. But my favorite auntie said to me and been saying to me since I was at least 12, values are caught. They're not taught. Children catch values. They catch them as they're coming in. Right. You can't teach a child values. You show them the way they should go. And the way you show them is not by don't do as I do, do as I say, but by leading by example. So this just goes back into black women being poor leaders, especially as mothers, poor leaders of the household and terrible mothers. Let's just be honest, because um, it, it might not sound good, but I really don't care how it sounds. You know what's worse? What it looks like globally. I'm here in Barbados. Right. I've been in Barbados since before the pandemic, and I now live here. I paid $200 to go to an upscale, have a day pass, and it's got lunch and endless drinks, alcoholic beverages, all of that. Upward, 90 seconds before we go into overtime, if you're listening in, uh, in the, on the link and you don't call in, you will miss the last hour of the show. You'll be able to catch it in the archive, baby. But if you don't call in right now, you're going to miss it, and that's not my damn fault. Now, the call-in number <laughs> is 516-387-1584. Again, 
516-387-1584. I'm not going to say it again. Call in right now, 516-387-1584. That's the last time. 60 seconds. Thank you. If that's your time with us for today, you can catch the rest of the show in the archive at the end of the show in about maybe an hour and a half when it's finished processing. But so back to this here. Um, I went and paid $200 for a day pass. All you can eat, all you can drink, everything's included. You have nothing to worry about. And I said to myself, you know what, I'm going to go and pay for this day pass because I am quite frankly sick and tired of having to be harassed by ghetto niggas as I'm having a beach day. That's just the facts. I'm about sick of black men. I'm tired of black men. I'm sick of their ghetto ways. I'm sick of their classless ways. I'm sick of them treating every woman they see like the same low-class trash, raunchy chick that we saw at True Kitchen up there. I'm just tired of it. So I said, okay, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to use my abundant financial resources to purchase my way out of this low-class bullshit. Right? So I do that. And, I mean, I, I've got on my big hat, y'all. You know, I'm talking Samantha from Sex in the City hat, right? And I've got on orange for the day. It's a nice little two-piece with a skirt and everything. And I go, and I have my food, and I have my drinks, and then I decide to go down by the water, right? And I'm just going to listen to some music, maybe create some new music, whatever. You know what I mean? Just catch a vibe. I wasn't there for five minutes before who comes walking the hell up. Bums, black male bums. And now on the beaches in the Caribbean, the only men you're going to find in the daytime is the bums because all the real men are at work. The only men with endless amounts of time to be harassing women are the bums. <laughs> no different than when we are on our way to work in the black community and you headed out to work, you see other brothers headed out to work, and then you see the bums crowded on the corner, cavorting and doing whatever, right? So... I didn't, I chose not to respond to him. I said to myself, you know what? No, I'm not even going to dignify this with a response because right now I want to cuss. I'm so pissed off. I want to cuss and throw things because I didn't spend all this money to still have to deal with the same low-class black bullshit that I'd have to deal with if I went to a free beach. Because I don't care what country you're in. I don't care if it's in a white country a black country or a mixed country, if there's black people, the vast majority of the time, it's going to be a low-class poverty mentality that you're encountering. Because the, the, the horrible things that our community has been through, the disenfranchisement, both financially and politically, the theft of billions of dollars of real estate and land from black people since at least 1910 to now, all of these things have culminated into what we see today. So I'm not laying the blame at the feet of black people exclusively or solely. There's been a lot that has contributed to our degraded condition as a racial cohort. However, we do not need to maintain that. This kind of have and have not crap going on is a cause of jealousy. It's the reason that people are against the restaurant owner. You know, I mean, black women will say uh, we have a big problem with this idea of submission to black male authority. And I understand why. I got a problem with it, too, because, I mean, until you go out there and best your master, don't you ask me for shit. 
when you get up off your knees and pull that white dick out your mouth and stop blaming him for everything wrong with you, then you might have my respect, black man. But until then, you can kiss with you know what. <laughs> okay? So, but then, and, and that's for the, the thug niggas, the sagging pants niggas, the gang-banging niggas, the chilling on the corner, ain't doing nothing with their life niggas. But what about black men? College-educated men, not niggas, men, men of esteem, divine masculine types, real patriarchs, because you're not a patriarch just because you got a penis. The patriarch is the most financially successful male member in that family, period. So what we are talking about here is a proper black patriarch who created something for black people to have an upscale dining experience without white racism breathing down our necks. A, I hold him 150,000% responsible for playing throw that ass in a circle, then getting pissed off when ghetto trash whores do what ghetto trash whores do. Because we talk a lot, and especially black men talk a lot about this what you attract stuff, this false ideation we have about the law of attraction that you attract what you are. They'll say that to a black woman in a heartbeat, you attract what you are, when we complain about the fact that the vast majority of black men are unproductive and insufficient as men, according to the standard created by men. Okay? So I'm going to say, although the brother had a good intention, when he did not police what the DJ was playing, he basically opened the door for all of that trash to happen. First and foremost, there needs to be a dress code, and it needs to be enforced. No, you cannot come in here with a bodycon dress or some sweats, a sweats outfit like I saw one chick in there. Girlfriend had on sweats, okay? Sweatpants, sweatshirt, all right? Like she was going to the gym. Sweats and some heels. You need a dress code, first and foremost, sir. And I did invite him to the show, and I sent him the link. So, sir, when you have a chance to listen to this, because I'm sure you will, you need a dress code. Secondly, you need to be playing good music. I would recommend ambient music. Hell, I make music. I'll make something specifically for your restaurant. Holla at me. I make amazing music. I make really good music, and it's high-energy, high-vibration music. That's what you need. I'm not saying you got to play elevated music, but no, you, Sister Kristen talked about this. I don't want a rap brunch. I don't want to hear rap at a brunch. Now, I want to say something else about this music, because a lot of people have said, well, if he didn't play the music, it wouldn't have happened. Okay, so he shouldn't have played, the, the, the DJ shouldn't have played Throw That Ass in a Circle, but had the DJ played Slop on my mouth, like corn on the cop. Y'all gonna get up and give blowjobs too? When do black women take responsibility for themselves? When? Are we gonna get up and throw out BJs in the restaurant too? If Slop on my knob comes on? We gotta be realistic here. So, yeah, he shouldn't have played the music, controlled the DJ, because people apparently don't know how to act. And if they won't get up and throw that ass in a circle because the song said so, I am terrified what would happen if Slava Manal came on. I'm horrified. 
The other thing, he needs security. There is a reason that non-black businesses have security because they know that if trash comes in there, they're going to need a third party to get in there and handle that for them. He, as the owner, as the genius, as the innovator, should never have to step off the throne to address trash. So that is something you delegate to your security team. So going forward, A, a dress code. B, the DJ cannot play anything rap. No rap music. Because it can't be upscale and you're playing rap. I've never gone to an upscale five-star Michelin-rated restaurant and heard black music, not rap. Now, I've heard some ain't no mountain high, ain't no valley low. But you never going to hear Bodak Yellow. Body, yada, 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 yada. You never going to hear that shit. We need to be honest about every form of our so-called culture and the way that it has been degraded, both by outside influences and by inside choices to not elevate to the standard or to not sit at some sort of standard and maintain it. I want to hear from somebody who hasn't yet spoken. Pearl, thank you for everything that you said. Um, Let's see. Raina, girl. Raina. Raina, Raina, Raina. Hey. Hi, get in here, Hello, get darling. in here, get in here. Hello, darling. <sighs> Tell me, Virgo, what you have to say on this topic. We're going to meet myself like, so I don't get in here to hooping and hollering. I feel like this was the expected reason. This was the response I, was, I expected because every single time it doesn't fail. It was the, it was this. It was the, the women at the vineyard that got put out. It was the, the mother's having an attitude about going up to the school any any old kind of way when the principal didn't want them coming up in a PJs and in and in by hair bonnet. It's always an excuse. It's always a like basically I feel like black American culture is anything goes. And it's always, you know, we're oppressed and we're this. I don't think we're I don't think we're that much of an oppressed group when you have a choice to be anything you want to be in this world, but you still choose the lower part of your nature every single time to display in the public. And then the man when I saw the I saw it's, it's always the, the little clip of somebody acting out after the fact that goes viral. So nobody gets a chance to judge the whole video. In the video, he went over to him like three, like three times and told them, nice yes, he did. Stop. Okay? I've been to establishments that played all types of different music, and it didn't matter if it was some pop, pop music. People did not get up popping their booties. They just did because, A, it's not advertised as a restaurant slash club. There are there are clubs, there are restaurants like that. Like I'm like I'm West Indian. There's a lot of West Indian um restaurants like that in New York where upstairs is the restaurant and it's so elegant. But then there's like a downstairs and you can't even hear it upstairs. So the downstairs part would be like the dance floor, but that's a different type of establishment. I feel like it's like you you wanna know where we went wrong as black women? 
as as black culture, we went wrong when the parents after our parents started telling older people to mind their business and you can't tell my child what to do. Yeah. That was a big You can't tell my child nothing. Yep. Yes. I was forty and I I'm a, I was born in nineteen eighty and I saw where I had, because my oldest is 20 years old, I saw where we had parents in the neighborhood, mothers. So it, it don't even have nothing to do with being a single parent. My mother's a single parent. But I grew up in a lot of culture. She made sure I had dance lessons, private piano lessons. She made sure I went to um, the Harlem Dance School. She made sure I went, she made sure that she spent money in things to culture me, not in Playstations or what was it back then? Atari and Nintendo. Right. Mm-hmm. She she and and it's like it's different now. So I saw the transition where the elders in the church couldn't really say nothing to the younger people, and that generation is where it fell off. Where the girls, I'm sorry, I hate camisoles, but they don't even know how to dress formally. The church I grew right. up in was filled with, it was a black cultural church, and and people learned a lot about their culture there, and it's, it's, it's a shame that people identify the lower vibrational parts of black human beings as culture. That is not, right. that is not culture. And it doesn't go across the you know, board. We're not a monolith. Like, it's just so weird to me. I think because I have such a totally different, totally different upbringing, and then on the flip right. side, you have the girls that aren't respectable and then the guys that come to chop them down a couple of notches. And so you have the pick-me women that do everything right. how like humble, which in, in, in itself is bringing you down and bringing our image down across the world. Okay? So, sis, really quick, I wanted to ask something because what you, mm-hmm. what you just said just sparked a thought for me. Something you just said just sparked a thought for me. When you're talking about the culture, now, I travel a lot. When I'm in Europe, one of the things I have been asked is, do you know how to twerk? Do you know why white Europeans are asking this question of a black woman who does not comport herself that way? Because black women have made twerking our image. The getting yeah. up and shaking up the fat on your body is not a yeah. culture. And we are not going to sit up here, because I've seen this too. Black women get up and, well, in Africa, bitch, stop Africa. You ain't never even been. Shut up. Right. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what you're talking about. This is not an African thing. And no. where they're doing these sorts of dances I've seen Middle Eastern belly dancers doing this kind of gyration. You know what they're doing? They're entertaining men. It's basically like right. going to the strip club. These are fertility dances. This is for money. This is not at a restaurant. This is not at a club. This is, this is specifically and exclusively something black American women in particular, black women in the Americas, which would include the Caribbean and Central and South America as well, have a problem with and are known for and as. And it's globally a problem for black woman, the brand, when you have a woman like myself, a business owner, a corporation owner, an employer of black people, someone with dignity and sophistication, with education, and they see me and all they see is a black woman who definitely has to be like all the other black women. 
So let's exactly. see what's different about her. Is it possible? Is she just like everybody else? That's where this comes from. So, you know, I feel like because black women look like me and I look like them, you're not going to get out here and destroy my image because you's a worthless ass bitch and ain't got nothing to lose. Yeah, because I have to work I'm not doing it. <laughs> I have to work twice as hard. Yep. Almost like I have to work twice as hard, even in a dating realm because of this. Right. It's, it's, it's hard, and it's like I have standards when it comes to certain things, and on either side of the fence, black or white, they're going to challenge you based on the image that keeps on being pumped out out there. Yes, about like, you. Yes. About me, that's not even me. It's so, I literally had an interaction with a guy on a dating app yesterday. I'm like, damn, you're so angry. You need therapy, not a dating app. Because they are interacting. You know, some of them are fuck boys, but I could kind of tell he's been a burnt, and maybe he keeps dealing with the same type of woman. You understand? And I'm not like that. Like, I know how to carry myself. Like, it was like, all the negative stereotypes that was about black women, and he was like, oh, you wonder why black women are single? Because they're not open to love, and they be having all these kids, and they never been married. I said, well, sweetheart, I've been married. I don't have a problem getting um, getting engaged and getting Thank engaged. Thank Like, what is, what is this? Like, I, I should have to explain myself. I should be having fun right now with you, texting back and forth, calling back and forth. But it's really affecting Every, that image there, and then see the numerous black women that were like, well, and using the music as an as an excuse, as a scapegoat. Excuse. That meant that they can yep. get up. I went to white establishments that was playing Gucci Mane, and nobody got up to twerk. So it definitely is thinking like, Oh, it's black owned, and he's familiar with this. Is our culture? No, this is not. This is not the culture of my business. Maybe if I have a barbecue, you can do that. Maybe you can do that there. But the culture, the culture of my business, and the way it looks like, you should just code switch, fall in line. What happened to that? Everybody wants to be real today. Okay, wait, 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 wait. You just said something else. Code switch. You know, we code switch automatically um, when we're yeah. around outsiders versus each other. Now, I'm in Barbados, exactly. and although I have Bayesian and Trini roots, I'm an American by birth and by voice. <laughs> so right. when Bayesian people are talking to me, a lot of the time they code switch. They turn on their I'm talking to a white person voice because they, I'm foreign. And they don't, it's not, we, for us, it's black, white. For them, it's foreign, local, right? So for a lot of Caribbeans, mm-hmm. it's not about your race. It's about whether or not, whether or not you're a local or a foreigner, right? And so yeah. when they're speaking to foreigners, they have one way that they speak. And when they're talking to each other, they have another way. So one right. of my friends recently stopped code switching because she's like, Lou, you're a Bayesian now, <laughs> right? So... Even with me, she's not looking at me as an outsider anymore. So I feel like when you mentioned code switching, I was thinking about this earlier. I'm so glad you said it because it brings it back to my mind. I feel that when we have these issues, and especially because it's a black establishment, it's this code switching thing. Mm -hmm. We've turned off the code. We associate fine dining and nice things with white 
Isn't it crazy? I can't tell you. When I when I first came on, when I first came out here, and I first got this whole thing started, there were many, and I do mean numerous, black women going around telling people that I have to be a white woman because of the way that I speak. So I changed my diction. I changed even the timbre of my voice because I was tired of black women calling me a white girl because I knew how to speak the queen's fucking English. Right. So what did I do? All right. You chop your words the way black people do. You throw a couple of F-bombs, S-bombs, D-bombs, say nigga 45 times a minute, and now suddenly you're not being attacked as a secret shadow white bitch, right? Mm-hmm. Because we don't understand, we don't equate someone's proper upbringing, being raised well, having a good comportment about themselves with being black. This is seen as being white or trying to be white or thinking you're white or thinking you're better than us. And so our idea of being real is being ghetto, trashy, raunchy, um, just pejorative, just really, really negative, right? And so immediately after I switched the way that I speak on this show, it was this show. When I switched the way that I speak, we no more heard Diva's a white bitch. We didn't hear it no more. That says a lot. Black mm-hmm. women couldn't even listen to my show because I, was, I wasn't sounding black enough to them. So they didn't even want to hear what I had to say because automatically just by the way that I spoke, I thought I was better than everybody. I was stuck up and right? So we have this negative... Everything that white people have said of black is now our sole definition of what it means to be black. White people think black folks is ghetto. Now, you ain't black if you ain't ghetto, if you ain't from the hood, if you don't throw a little something, got a little flavor with it. You know what I mean? It's, a, it's an interesting dynamic, but it contributes to the problem. So this over-familiarity is the same thing as this code switching. So it can't be fine dining if it's black. This goes right back to what I was saying about my friend with the mm-hmm. diamond and gold ring and that she couldn't get it sold until she put a glove on her hand and took the same picture. She had to hide her skin color because her color and her being a woman degraded the value of gold and diamonds. That's a problem. Come on. That's a problem. Her black female self, just being a black woman, was enough to degrade the value of gold and diamonds. Are we not understanding what's going on here in our race for us as women, and we are black women, all of us here, except for the brother who's still holding on here? We're women. We're black women. This is the way the world looks at us all around the world. You're an American, automatically you're ghetto. I've had people ask me, do you you know who your father is? I've had even black men ask me this overseas. Do you know your father? Child, what? He married my mama. He gave that lady diamonds and pearls and rubies and emeralds, and they got on each other's nerves till I went to college. He raised me. When I was a very little girl, I remember getting jumped by black girls from the project who, due to their mother's bitching, was able to go to my school. 
because, you know, black women will always cry racism to get at their ghetto, worthless children access into the higher echelons of society, and I'm just going to call it what it is. So I ended up getting jumped in elementary school because I thought I was all that in a bag of chips. Now I'm aging myself and dating myself because I know who my father is. I asked the girl, why are you doing this? Because I was, I was a little square. I didn't come from the hood. We were the only black family in my neighborhood. And my mother and father worked very hard to keep it that way, to keep us in an environment like that, to keep us away from the ghetto black dregs, the throwed-away children of black women and black men, the throwed-away, unloved, abandoned children of black women and black men, surplus children, waste children, feral children. And people get mad when I say this, but these were feral hood girls. I asked the feral children why. You think you all that in a bag of chips because you know who your daddy is. I had never said anything to give anybody that idea. I had never done anything to give anybody that idea. So what it really boiled down to is jealousy that my father, not only was, was he known to me, but that he was in my home. I went to bed and he was there and I woke up and his black ass was still there. That alone caused problems. We've got to be honest as black women about what it is doing, not only to our image as women, but what it's doing to the psyche, to the minds of the children. You know, when I came home after this whole jumping experience, girl scratched my face up real bad, right? I didn't know how to fight. I never had to learn. When I came home, my mother broke down into tears. I will never forget this. She said, I worked my ass off to keep you from having to have these experiences with these little ghetto black bitches. She said, but apparently the zip code in the school that you go to is not enough to protect you from these little girls. So I'm going to have to teach you the old school way. And she told me what most black women have told their children. If you go back to school and they beat your ass, you come home and whoop your ass. Don't you let them beat on you. Right? And I was terrified. I was terrified. I didn't raise my hand. I didn't even kill flies. You know, I, like, I was a very gentle little girl, you know, very delicate, gentle little girl. And here's my mother trying to teach me at age six and seven how to fight because the feral, throwed-away waste children of black women and men from the ghetto was able to get into my school. We've got to be honest here about the way children are raised in the black community, especially in the black side of the black community. In Boston, we call it the three stripes. Those are the black neighborhoods. Dorchester, Roxbury, and Mattapan, the three stripes of Boston. That's what it's known as, and black people created that ideology. Stripes. The stripes, the places that are struck out, the black stripe of Boston. When these children from these ghetto dysfunctional neighborhoods, these ghetto dysfunctional families, and look, my family was dysfunctional, we just weren't ghetto. But when you've got ghetto and dysfunction, and poverty at play. This informs the soul, the psyche, the spirit of the black child. And then that black child grows up to be a black adult, and they're the same. They've never had a different access or different teaching. 
so they maintained the same things that they had or were or felt as children well into their adulthood. Some even take it to the grave this way. We need to be honest about this. Sister, I think it was Kristen. Kristen, if you're still there, feel free to jump in if it wasn't you, um, or even if it was. But I think it was Kristen who said that some people from certain places are just going to do certain things, basically, and yeah. that we should yeah. expect this. Because low-class black women, ghetto-raised black women, poverty, consciousness, black women will always be the trash of the race. Period. And that you know trash, what? unfortunately, is so prevalent in high population that we're going to see more of them than us. Go ahead, sis. Um, you know, there have been certain, there have been several studies about how poverty changes. The, a person's brain, and so I was going to go there people next. Get upset. Mm-hmm. People get upset when we talk about like the single motherhood thing, but there's a bigger context here. You talk about things like school to prison pipelines and all that other stuff. All that goes back to poverty, and the quickest way for a woman to become impoverished is to have children outside of a sound economic structure. The sociologists. The economists, they have been telling us this for decades. This is not new information. And so what happens is you go and you have kids by Pookie and Ray Ray. They don't take care of the kids. You're stressed out because you still have to feed these children. So you can't be on your game as a mother. So when your son starts going to school in kindergarten and he's punching kids in the face and the school gets tired of it, and he ends up getting put in detention, you want to blame racism and school-to-prison pipeline. No. Let me tell you something. I used to work in education. The paperwork that you have to do to get a child arrested or put away is way more than any teacher wants to have to do because we already got too much to do. We don't have time to pick on your kid because he's brown, okay? Your kid has become such a problem that the other kids are not getting an education because we're constantly having to deal with your child. But that goes back to the fact that you had your child in a circumstance that was not conducive to having a functional childhood. You can't teach your child how to act and take them to the symphony and all that other stuff when you are constantly trying to figure out how to make this last $20 Last until the trying to make a dollar out of 15 cents. Trying to make a dollar out of 15 cents. And so that's what black women have to understand. If you're a single mother, nobody is picking on you. The facts are when you are a single mother, you are more likely to be impoverished. That poverty will affect your child. Poverty is, is correlated with uh childhood pathology, bad behavior lower test scores, yep. mental illness, future criminality. That is just the truth. So I, I yes. as a black woman, listen, I give, no, I give black men no excuses. As a black woman, I want to see other black women make better decisions because what's happening is you are raising another generation of kids who are no good, and they're going to grow up because the fact is people stay within their socioeconomic groups. They're going to grow up. And they're going to have kids that are no good. And this is going to be a self-perpetuating situation. You get, you're going to get in this cycle <laughs> that is never going to end 
just because you you didn't want to make him wear a condom or you didn't want to make him marry you before you gave him your womb. It's a problem. And so that's that's what you have. These people who twerk in restaurants, I'm willing to bet Ugh. my money that they grew up in households where you had some stressed, overworked mother who didn't even sit down and teach them. This is how you behave here. Now we're going to go to the symphony. At the symphony, do you see how everybody is dressed? Do you see when people clap? Do you see the people stay in their seats? Mm-hmm. Because, you know. You can't afford the symphony, you know, sis, when you're trying to make a dollar out of 15 cents. Sorry to cross right. you. I don't know if you can't make, you can't know, make it to the symphony. Right. You can't make it to right. the theater. You can't make it to opera. You can't give your children these sorts of high class or, or different worldview types of experiences when you are trying right. to make a dollar out of 15 cents. Now, one of the things you keep talking about, and I love this, is that motherhood, uh, and I say, this, I say it this way, motherhood is the number one indicator of poverty worldwide. Now, let's give some statistics. Right. 51% of black men do not have children. Only 40% of black women. No children. So that's heavy, ain't it? That's heavy. 60% or thereabouts of black women have children. All right? Now, it's going to take some breaking down to see which percentage of those women are baby mamas because there's a difference between a baby mama and a single mother. A single mother is a divorced woman or a widow. A baby mama is somebody who got cum dumped inside of her and a nigga left. There's a difference. She was never legitimized. You had a child without the benefit of marriage. You are a baby mama. But here's the worst part. Who remembers when they said Obama's baby mama of the high educated and married first lady? To be black, to be a mother is now to be conflated with baby mama. We're not mothers. We're baby mamas. Even when you get married and you have your children, whether the man died or y'all divorced or whatever the case might have been, you are a baby mama because you are black. We have got to get clear about definitions. We've got to stop letting baby mamas conflate themselves with single mothers because it sounds better. Ah, you don't like the way baby mama sounds. You should have not liked it enough to not let them speak, speak, motherfucker. Motherhood is indeed globally. This is not just for blacks. This is global. And when we say global, we mean every single female human on the planet. The number one indicator for poverty is motherhood. Now, that's whether you're married or you're not married, but it's worse when you're not. Because we've got a lot of poor women in poor nations, impoverished nations, maybe even third world nations, who might be married but are also having children. And I can't even understand wanting to bring children into that. But that level of selfishness and entitlement that women feel that they should just be able to willy-nilly bear life with no thought or regard or plan for how that life is going to develop, for what quality and standard of life that child that you've given birth to is going to have and attain in the future. You know, another thing you said, sis, and then, you know, me and you can go back and forth all day on this, but I want to make sure everybody speaks. Another thing that you said was the way that poverty impacts the children. I want you all to know something. I was going to go into this, um, but sis took it from me, and I'm glad. You sparked all kinds of thoughts. 
you can tell if a person is poor or not by yes. their skin, by the way they stand, by the way they walk, by their teeth. Yes. By their bones. When you excavate and you dig up a body and you take and do the carbon date and all that shit, you can tell if that person lived in poverty or in abundance to the bone. Poverty is to the bones in your body, your teeth, your bones, your eyes, your skin. It's not just your clothes. You can go put on a Gucci belt. America is a third world country in a Gucci belt. It's the bones that tells the truth. This is not a joke. So, you know, for years I've been hosting this show and doing what I do and getting banned on Facebook for telling the truth because bitches report me. But the fact of the matter is, whether we like it or not, whether we don't want to hear it or we do, this is still what it is. It is what it is. We don't got to like it. It's just going to be what it is, though. And what it is, the simple brass tacks of it, is that poverty is far-reaching. It is long-lasting. We are not creating children the way that we should be. It should, if we had any respect for the black womb and the black pussy, first and foremost, black men would have no children. Because they abandon and neglect their children. They are financially inferior as so-called men. We're just going to call them men because it's what we call people with XY chromosomes. But they're financially inferior to other men. They should not get pussy, let alone children. So if we had respect, and this is just like the last show we talked about, if black men were raised up, who's got feedback? I'll have to mute everybody. I will mute everybody. That's what's going to happen now. I done told y'all before, and I don't do repeating myself. I told you, if you have background noise, I can't handle it. So what I'm going to do is just mute the hell out of everybody's line. Because you can't do it. All right. Thank you, everybody. I appreciate it. When your line is open, if you're not speaking, mute yourself. When you're ready to speak, unmute yourself. Don't sully the show with your noise. Thank you. I said, don't make me repeat it. And because you did, now everybody's line is closed. And oh, well, if you don't like it, I don't care. Now, when we are talking about, when we're talking about the respect that black women need to have for themselves, for the womb, for the pussy itself, we don't get taught that either. Sister Kristen was talking about um, life skills classes, black women having life skills classes. And I don't disagree with her on that, that it's needed because if we had those life skills classes of young black girls were being taught properly, they would grow up to be the kind of women that black men would want to marry. They would not grow up to be the kind of women that black men just want to dump cum inside of and run off. Conversely, if black boys were getting these life skills classes, they would grow up to be something more than only worth target practice for the cops. If black boys were given proper and appropriate life skills classes, they would understand, make her a mother, a woman, a a wife, rather, before you make her a mother. Don't make her a mother if you won't make her a wife. If you make her a mother before she's your wife, you're basically selling yourself short. You're devaluing 
your seed of life. You're devaluing your manhood. Instead, the kind of life skills that they get taught from Pookie and Ray Ray and all of them and Shakisha and them, okay, is bag holes. Fuck them. Chuck them. Don't love them. Okay? And so because this is what's going on in our community, where the young men and the young women are, A, being taught very different life lessons that are ending up both in, with negative outcomes, and B, not being trained how to love themselves, which is why they can't love anyone else. If we were actively confronting that and challenging it and changing it, things would go very differently. But I have one more example, and then I'm going to open the lines and we'll end the show. In college, I was, um, I told you guys I was a Girl Scout, you know, from, I mean, elementary school all the way up to 12th grade. Well, I went to college and I decided that I would try to reach back into the black community and give back, right? So I created my own Girl Scout troop and I created my troop to address the little girls, the little black girls who were at a battered women and children's shelter, right? I'd always done this kind of charity work, you know, um, cooking meals for the women's homeless shelter, all this kind of thing. I've always been very women and girls oriented and focused and trying to make sure that I gave back to my community. So I created this Girl Scout troop for these battered women and children. And I loved the girls. Don't get me wrong. These were some of the sweetest little girls, just in a very unfortunate circumstance, you know. But it taught me something else, too, because, I mean, I went into this thinking these poor black women who have been abused by these horrible black men, right? <laughs> so I get there, and I'm hosting it on Saturdays because I work full-time. I work five days a week. I went to college for college courses at night, three days out of five, and I had homework and all this here, so I couldn't do it on weekdays, but I could do it on weekends, even though the only two days I had to myself was Saturday and Sunday. I gave up my Saturday for these girls. So after about a month and a half, the mother come to me one Saturday, with attitude, hand on hip, neck rolling. Okay? Because once a black woman gets stuck inside of her with some cum, she thinks somehow she's superior to everybody else and smarter. So she came to me. They come to me, and they're like, you need to come on another day. You got to come on Wednesdays because Saturday is our only free day, and we want to go see our boyfriends. The same niggas that beat their ass and put them in the fucking shelter in the first place. Okay? The same niggas that beat their asses and put them and their children in this shelter for battered women and children. You need to come on Wednesday at 11 a.m. I said, I'm not able to do that. I work from 8.45 till 5 p.m. So I'm not able to come here at 11 on Wednesdays because I'm working. So they said to me, if you can't change the day, don't come at all. When we talk about teaching young black girls, I want you to understand something. Black mothers are the worst thing to happen to these girls. They are the people who are holding those little girls up from getting proper training and getting these life skills classes that Sister Kristen was talking about. It's black women that are in the way. It's the black mother that is in the way. If you can, and black men have been telling us this for years, but we ain't been listening because they got a bad reputation as fathers, and we feel like all they do is blame the mother. But I'm here with no children to tell you this. 
It's the mother that's the problem. It's the mother, the baby mama. Baby mamas is baby mamas, whether it's with the baby daddy, the sister, the cousin, the grandmother, or a perfect fucking stranger. Baby mama culture among black women is the bane of our black female existence, and it needs to die quickly. They would rather, because, see, Girl Scouts is more than just selling cookies. I learned how to sew. I learned how to cook different cuisines. I learned proper table place settings and stuff like that, expanding what my mother had taught up to me, so many things. And I had such a great curriculum put together for these girls, but it couldn't be delivered to them because of their mothers. Their mothers wanted to go fuck on a Saturday to the same nigga that beat their ass and put them in a shelter so their daughters lost out because that rancid-ass pussy was more important than the child. Yes, I said it. The black woman's rancid, worthless, ran-through pussy was more important than her daughter. And it always has been, and it always will be. So with the fact that about 60-something percent of black women are the ones having all the children, this is more than half of black women who are out here as baby mamas. Okay? When the culture changes, when, when this backward, I don't need no man, I can do it all by myself, I can do bad all by myself, when this stupid shit ends and is no longer the norm, that's when we will see a change to things. But I'm going to tell you, this is as good as it gets, and it's only going to get worse from here. It will not get better. Let's open the lines. Everybody can have their last and final word, and then we'll be up out of here. All right? <laughs> Opening the lines. Hey. Let's have our last words, and everybody can go ahead on and get out. <laughs> hey. Um, so, first of all, I love this show. But one thing, you know, we've been talking about, you know, what you're taught and the things that you're not taught. And I can definitely see where people will use that as an excuse. Well, I wasn't taught that. But they'll go on YouTube to watch the newest dances, the TikTok moves. They can learn when they want to learn. They just don't want to learn that. Like, when I'm really into something, when I want to make a change, I'm looking up every piece of information I can to make that change. If you want it, you got to go get it. And it's it's not a priority. It just isn't. Anybody else? We're having final words before we close the show out. Thank you for the show. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. I heard you first. Go ahead. (laughs) Okay. Um, um, Yeah, just thank you for doing the show. um, Everybody who spoke was on point, is on point. I I just, wow. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you for coming and adding to the show, all of you. You know, thank you for that, sis. Yeah. I, have a I think Carl was going to speak next. Okay. Well, I yeah, Kristen, we're going to say the last for you. 
<laughs> I do want to say thank you so much, Stephen, for just even opening up the lines and having us, you know, talk because I feel like, you know, sometimes you feel crazy when you're out here. Like, am I really, is this really happening? You know, is this really just going to fly, you know, and no one's going to say anything. We just have to sit here and endure it. But um, these conversations need to be had so there can hopefully be a change or we could just find ways to separate ourselves because the shit is frustrating and it is, it's frustrating and it's, it's limiting and, you know, it sucks when you want so much more for your people, but they don't want it for themselves, mm. you know? Like, you can't even right. look up a fucking YouTube video to, you know, have some class, have some etiquette, maybe not act this way, or even be multidimensional, you know? Yeah, you can twerk, do whatever you do there, but, you know, there's a time and a place. You can't even do that, but it is what it is. It's great. I'm just happy the conversation is being had. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right, Kristen. I'm going to mute myself, right? Because I have this terrible <laughs> habit of jumping in. But I'm also the host, so I feel like I should be able to jump in whatever the fuck I want because it's my show. But go ahead, sis. <laughs> you know, I think that it's important that black people in general, but especially black women, accept the fact that you cannot make a lion a house cat. If you think about uh, Siegfried mm. and Roy, how they worked with worked with that one tiger for like 30 years and everything was fine. And then one day the tiger snapped because it's a tiger. And so I think black women have uh, this thing where we feel like we need to save everyone and we feel like we need to accept everyone. And we don't realize that we are trying to turn people into something that is not their nature. So I really feel like uh, it's, it's time for us to take more cues from white people in the regard that white people do not claim their trash. And we need to stop claiming our trash. We need to stop these men who call us bitches and hoes in songs. We can't, we can't keep dating them because then we look like a joke. And so I think it's time for black women to have a consciousness and, and to stop being so nice and, and just start saying, listen, I am an upwardly mobile, middle-class black woman who knows how to behave. I do this, that, and the other, and I refuse to hang out with Ty Quinesha over here who, you know, wants to, you know, wear, wear Daisy Dukes everywhere she goes and a bonnet. And don't let 2020 and the social justice movement shame you for feeling that way. I tell people all the time, me being bougie is what has saved me. Me knowing that I'm a little bit better than a lot of people is what has saved me. I've never been in jail. I've never been in a fight. I've never been in a situation where, you know, I'm getting held up by the police. People are calling me about bills. You know why? Because I stay away from the people. Who, who attract that kind of behavior. And so I think it's time for black women to just stop, stay away from people. And I don't care if they are black. That, the, those women in the uh, restaurant in Dallas, she would no longer be my friend. I would delete her out of my phone. She's not going anywhere else with me. 
So mm-hmm. black women need to come with the mentality that says, listen, you cannot change people. Accept people for who they are, leave them where they are. And deal with them accordingly. And go on mm-hmm. about, right, go on about your business. And I think that is going to solve a lot of problems, honestly. Christina, I just love it's when you speak. You just speak. Setting off all kind of bombs in my head. You said something that my crazy Auntie Jay has been saying to me almost all my life. She said to me, you have to accept people for who they are and deal with them accordingly. And she said this to me about my own mama. Because y'all know my mama's a hot-ass mess, Lord child. So I was trying to understand as a, as a, a, a teen and then in early 20s, I was trying to really get what she was saying. Because to my young mind, it sounded like you just have to tolerate it. So sometime late 20s, early 30s, so it couldn't have been that long ago. It had to be about five years ago, max, right? About five years ago, I said to Auntie, what the fuck does that even mean? Excuse me. What the fuck does that even mean? Right? And I was so frustrated. I was like, I've been frustrated with you for years. What the fuck does that even mean? And she started laughing. She said, in general, or as it pertains to your mom, because, of course, we were talking about yet another thing my mother had done. And I was like, why, 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 why? And she said to me, you have to accept that this is who your mother is. And then you have to deal with her according to who she is, not who you wish she would be, not who you hope she would be, not who you think she could be if she just did this or that differently or tried that or healed this. This is who she is. Accept it, first of all. Accept that this is who she is. You don't have to like it. You don't have to respect it. You don't have to want it, but you have to accept it. Because as long as you're not accepting that this is who she is, this is not how she acts. This is what she is. As soon as you accept this is who and what she is, you will make better choices in your life and for yourself, and she won't be able to drag you into this anymore. You might not even want to associate with her. And when she said that to me, it was the realest thing anyone had ever told me anywhere in the world. And I have paid some really good mentors, child, and some group therapy money and got this for three ninety nine from my so-called crazy Auntie J. Accept people for who they are and deal with them accordingly, meaning you accept that there's ghetto, trash, rancid, raunchy, fucked up black women and men, and you deal with that trash according to the trash that it is. And even I, sis, as you were talking, even I could receive something good from this as a healer. I was sitting thinking about, you know, my first retreat in Barcelona, and a woman came on the retreat just to steal my vibrator because she said my pussy is blessed and she wanted the blessing for herself. And this woman paid me upwards of $6,000 to keep that motherfucker instead of just send it back. Okay? Why was she able to do it? Because I didn't see myself as above them too high to stay in the house with those women. They saw me as such, and the fact that I didn't see myself as such put me in a predicament where a woman took my vibrator and sent it to witches trying to see what she could do against me, but all of them, fortunately, were inferior to me as witches. So whatever little shit they did, it never took, it had no effect on my life because my protection is greater. Now, that was a stroke of luck and strategy that worked out in my favor, right? So when you have protection on your side, when you have 
investing in a safety and, and defense for yourself, whatever way it is, whether it's, you know, you've got a license to carry and shoot a motherfucker, or you done went and got you some good spiritual protection, whatever the case might be, when you know you have defense and protection, you tend to be a little bit less careful than you should, you know? You don't have the awareness that you would need to have if you didn't have that protection in place. It's no different than, you know, me coming from a two-parent home and not understanding the trauma or the pain of a black girl who don't even know who her daddy is because her mama had so many run through that house that she don't know, okay? And to not understand that, you know, when it's time to talk about our parents or when it's show and tell or when it's bring your parents to, to school day or whatever, parent um, career day or whatever, when you have your daddy come up and talk to people about what you could do and you're one of four black girls in a classroom and all the other three black girls ain't got no daddy, that it makes you a target. I, these are things that we don't understand. We're not always aware of. And even if we are, we're not always aware of in all the levels possible to keep ourselves safe. So I'm glad that you said this. It's a lesson that I've had to learn myself. Um, it's a lesson that I've had to become comfortable with to really value myself and act like I am that value and not in any way, shape, or form feel like, like feel guilty or uh, ashamed for being better than the rest of these trash-ass hoes. This is what it is. This is what it is. It is what it is. We don't have to like it, but it doesn't stop it from being what it is. When it comes to, you know, this association, you, you said if you were her friend that you would um, never see her again. You wouldn't even have a friend like that, sis. Birds of a feather flock together. So if she's like that, if you go look at the videos, I'm going to send the videos to all of y'all who I, you know, who are on the panel because I can, you know, message it to you. But go and look for the videos. It was a whole group of, hey, hey, oh, it up, it up, it up, hey, oh. Birds <laughs> <laughs> of a feather flock together. Ghetto trash bitches are friends with other ghetto trash bitches, and none of them will see what's wrong with it. Because black women like to be in a clique. We like cliques. We like the monolith. We're not a monolith, but we like to be monolithic. We can't have a friend who's a bougie girl because she thinks she's better than me, which is really called for I'm inferior to her. I know I'm inferior to her, and I, it bothers me. And instead of doing something to elevate myself, I'm going to take her down a peg or two. Birds of a feather flock together. So to the brother... Who owns the restaurant, Mr. Kevin Kelly. Yes, I do hope you are listening to this, even though it might be long and it might be a lot of cussing, and maybe you're not accustomed to that, or you might not like it, but sometimes you just got to call a thing a thing, and you got to say it, no punches pulled. Sir, make a dress code. Change your prices, because you will close out black people by raising the price. Trash black people. Hire white security and black security, a black man and a white man, a white man to go over and speak to them nasty trash ass hoes and a black man to snatch her ass up out of there. Furthermore, this is something that I learned. I got this lesson at age 19. It was the owner and the creator of the first black newspaper in the city of Boston, Mr. Melvin Miller. 
He said to me, you think you're going to interview me for your school paper that you created? But actually, I'm going to give you some life wisdom that will help you for the rest of your days, and I hope sooner than later, because you're young, and you're very intelligent, and you're talented and innovative, and you should have these lessons. He said to me, black people don't want help. Black people don't want to improve. They want a handout, not a hand up. And then he gave me examples. When he first created his paper, he charged a quarter for it. Well, the white boys didn't like it, so they raised the cost of printing and publishing. So all the papers in the city of Boston had to raise their prices by at least a quarter, if not 50 cents. So his paper went from 25 cents to 50 cents. The Boston Herald went from, I think, 75 cents to a dollar, and the Boston Globe went from 50 cents to 75 cents. Maybe not exactly that, but somewhere in that, that range. All right, let's just work with the numbers here. When black people found out that he was charging 50 cents instead of 25, do you know they went and paid a dollar and 75 cents for the white papers? But he created the black paper because in the white newspapers, all we was hearing is six niggas stabbed in Dorchester, four niggas robbed in Mattapan, eight niggas, you know, shot in, in, in Roxbury. We never heard what good was going on in the community. We never heard who was offering tutoring, who opened a new business, what sales were going on in the businesses in the black community in Boston. So he created this paper, the Bay State Banner, to be that voice for black Boston. And black people, rather to pay, as he said, the cracker, <laughs> the old black man, y'all, they rather to pay the cracker than him. And he said it taught him a valuable lesson that he wanted me to catch. They don't want help. They don't want better for themselves. They don't want it. So you shouldn't force it on them. I'm Triple Dark Goddess. This has been another Angry Divas radio show. Thank you very much for listening, everybody, and have a great rest of your day. Bye, ladies. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you.